the first episode of the Master of Time podcast. I'm here with Joe Scott Brown, my name is Samuel Sice, and today this is going to be a simple introduction to me. Hope you enjoy this and I hope you learn a few things from this and about me. And uh, please stay tuned for the upcoming episodes. We've got some real crackers in the pipeline. So over to you, Joe. Brilliant. Okay, um, I'm going to really try and pick your brains and get bits of nuggets of knowledge and sort of business tips throughout your life um, and little bits you've picked up along the way because you set up lots of businesses so you've obviously picked up good bits of knowledge along the way. Um, I want to take you back to school and sort of your earliest memories of maybe, I don't know, learning or what school was like for you. Um, yeah, go on, tell me more. <laughs> uh, yeah, all those years ago. Uh, I went to school in, my primary school was Danes Hill in Oxshott in Surrey, yeah. which was a fantastic school. It was quite small back then, so there weren't too many people. I think it's expanded yeah. quite a lot now. And my secondary school was St George's College in Weybridge. And then I went on to do some college stuff. And I'll be honest, school was not easy for me. You know, I've got some good and bad memories of school. Nothing like bullying or anything like that, but struggles. Yeah. I wasn't the most academic kind of guy. My parents knew that as well. They were constantly chipping in, trying to get some extra help for me here and there. Mm. Even having one-on-one -on -one, uh, English lessons at the headmaster's house. You know, that's how yeah. serious I needed help. Yeah. <laughs> and then even having extra uh, tutors outside of school just to really keep me bumped up to the level that perhaps my peers were. Yeah. And, and that helped, it really did help, but it, it did, and back then it, I didn't think about it too much, it was just one of those things that I needed to do. Uh, and I cracked on and I got it done, you know, and I, I, I pretty much scraped through all of my exams, so common entrance we would leave at, at Danesville at 13. My brother was there, so he'd done that, and my sister joined the same school as well, so we were all in the same junior school, which was nice. And uh, yeah, he was way more academic than me, so I had, he was older, so I, well he's older, so I had these you know, big footsteps to fill in front yeah. of me. But I, I just wasn't up to the same academic level that he was, and he, even now, we've both got very different skills. He's a, yeah. he's a complete whiz when yeah. it comes to computers and IT, and, and I'm not, and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I bumbled through school, I got the grades just about, I picked and chose a few wrong college courses and stuff, but I popped out at the end all right, yeah. and uh, yeah, went straight into the workforce. It's interesting, I mean school seems to be, it, it suits one sort of brain type very well, and um, not many others, and it's interesting there's a lot of people who are now successful in different areas that were not good at school, or not academic, and didn't pass, or didn't do very well at exams. So it's interesting hearing it from people like yourself. I, mean, I, I didn't find school easy. Yeah. Again, scraped just through the yeah. But it's nice to hear that there's people out there that didn't you know, enjoy school as much. My, my opinion is school needs a bit of a revamp. As in, you know, what, what we learn when we're at school or what our children learn when they're at school because there's a, it's a big wide world out there and it's more accessible than it's ever been. Even 20, 30 years ago when I was at school, it was a, a much smaller world, um, but it's, it's, it's easily accessible now, meaning 
we need to learn a lot more of what's going on around the world. Even if you want to get into stock trading or something like that, you, you need to know what's happening in all the events around the world in order to make a prediction on where you're going to put your money. So do you think there's anything you picked up from school that's carried forward throughout life? whether it be uh, something you do or something you learn, whether it was, even if it's tough, you carry on or something like that? Yeah, persistence. Because you might not be the most academic at school, or you might be super academic and not good at social environments or something like that. But the more you teach yourself and the more you persevere in those things, is the way that you will shine eventually it doesn't happen overnight we're all in this for the long game nothing is quick nothing just happens like that so the more you can just put the effort into those weak areas that you have mm. the more it will come together nicely all okay. brilliant and then after school college colleges picked the college but i had a motorbike i was 16 i really wanted to be out on that not at college yeah i had choices then I knew I could just duck and dive and do what I wanted. Probably wouldn't get into too much trouble at home, yeah. you know, because of that. And I, dip, I ditched it and dropped out of that one. Went to another one, dropped out of that one. Then the old man had to have some stern words for me and say, you know, yeah. sort yourself out. So I then did a, another couple of years of college locally. Got some A levels. Jumped straight out of that into into working. And my first job was in insurance broking, and one of my businesses now is insurance broking. Yeah. So, you know, again, long game. Yeah. You know, I, I, I popped out of that college course when I was 21, something like that. Mm. And, you know, 37 that I am now, I'm still in it, and I'm running my own business doing that. So that's, a, that's an accolade to what you can do if you put in the hard work mm. over the long game. So, um, oh, I just had to look at college. Oh, any side hustles at college? Anything you were doing to make money? Anxiety that feed your motorbike hobby or something like that. Actually, we had side hustles when we were about six years old, so way before college. Yeah, yeah. We lived in this lovely private estate, and just outside our house was a roundabout. And my dad and mum used to go shopping to get lots of bits from the cash and carry. Mm -hmm. So we'd go with them every now and again, my 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 brother and I, and we'd go and get like cola bottle, the big cola bottle packets. So yeah you know, drinks and all these things. We basically set up stall on the weekends on the roundabout, which was the main road through the estate. Yeah. And anyone would come come through and they'd stop and they'd give us 50p for some sweets and a drink. We were, we had, we set up a tuck shop mm -hmm. in the middle of this luxury private estate. <laughs> <laughs> and it went down to store, but back then no one cared. You were allowed to yeah. do things like that. You know, people drive around the estate in go-karts and motorbikes with yeah. their number plates and stuff like that. It was just a dumb thing. It was yeah. fun. So I've had side hustles since then. <laughs> so it, it seems sort of um, fairly money motivated rather than where at school it's you just got to get that you know letter on a piece of paper, which is pretty much what it is. It seems that even young, you would you know as a six year old boy, many would be at home you know doing games whatever. You were yeah. going to the cash and carry, waiting on a roundabout all yeah. day trying to sell. Oh, we were for that fifty p. Yeah, you could get it. I reckon that comes from my dad because. I watched him hustle. Mm. My dad had very good IT jobs, but he never just did one thing. Mm. He always was doing something on the side. And actually, the, the biggest memory is of, of all the cars that he used to have. 
used to buy lovely Jaguar XJSs and stuff like that, but they'd be gone a few days later. Yeah. And you, we wouldn't know why. And I know why now, because he was he was hustling to keep that mortgage paid and keep three kids in private school and <coughs> excuse me. And uh, he, he he was doing what we we're all doing nowadays. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's not the, it's not a new trade. Yeah, yeah. So uh, college was there. Or did you develop that? You know, little cola bottles to selling anything else, or was it? I that there's always been side hustles, always little side ones. You know, yeah. I was buying and selling clothes and fashion brands and stuff like that when I was twenty. You know, on the side of my full time job. Yeah. So there's always been little side things going on, mm. and for no other reason apart from the thrill. Yeah. I absolutely love just getting involved in the business and or any new business and yeah. you know just seeing what you can make of it. How, how good am I going to be at this? You know, what, yeah. what is it that's going to take? To make this success, or make this, make some more money for me rather than just my paycheck. So um, a little nugget of knowledge would almost be try try out little things like that when you're young, because you you never knew that that flipping stuff for a little bit of a profit was your what your thrill was, what you really enjoyed, and it probably led to a few things later on which we might pick up on. So mm. maybe if you're in college or young, try these little things. That would be definitely. What you're there's the beauty of the world nowadays is there's so many platforms you can just mm. sign up to that are basically free and you only pay when there's you know when you're selling something and you know like Etsy or eBay or you know I used to sell all my clothes stuff on eBay mm. back then it was the only platform that was any good mm. but nowadays there's so many platforms that you can you know, register to and start selling something if you're a bit creative make something if you're a bit designing code something you know, you know, it's stuff techie code on. You know, there's, there's there's loads of ways that you can just drop yourself into an environment and learn a skill. Okay. You can even pick up skills from, uh, you know, coding iPhone apps on Udemy and and, and yeah. courses like that. You know, things are accessible everywhere now, mm. and you've got no excuse not to dabble in a few different things. Yeah, you know, you're going to try ten things before one works. Mm. I saw a TED talk the other day of a 12-year-old who had created a few iPhone apps. It was just crazy. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so you went through and then came out the other end of college and then didn't want to go to uni because you wanted the money, you didn't want to give it away. So went into an insurance shop. How did you get that? Yeah, there was an advert uh, on the internet, must have been, and it was a local insurance broker. They needed someone junior. I was that junior person. I went along for an interview. I got the job. It was local, which was great. The, the salary was ten grand a year, and I wasn't happy with that, so I negotiated. So I I went for twelve. Said, "Come on, you know Neil. His name was the guy who ran the business. You know, I'm happy to accept the job offer at twelve. He said no, eleven. So I met in the middle, mm -hmm. and that was fair for both. You know, mm -hmm. that was me, and I was uh, I was there for two years. And then I jumped out and went straight into a, a much bigger insurance broker mm -hmm. who were called HSBC Insurance Brokers back then, part of the private banking arm. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where that insurance career started. Mm -hmm. And it was only really when I got into HSBC, because that was a high net worth role, rather than just the previous one was just run of the mill, mid net worth, mm -hmm. you know, straightforward insurance, learning the ropes. So both had their you know, the great, great reasons to be there 
but the high number stuff really opened my eyes to what is going on out there in the world with the big ticket, big level stuff, you know, expensive cars, big houses, huge fine art collections, uh, you know, yachts, jets, all that sort of stuff. And I was like, wow, this is impressive. I was yeah. learning about the high net worth industry and then doing the insurance as a job. Mm. So I was open, I was opened up to this huge big wide world that yeah. I've really not experienced before. High net worth market that you hadn't really been aware of yeah. previously. And um, I'm going to ask him side hustles <laughs> through the first insurance job and then at HSBC. The clothing was still going on at the first insurance broker uh, job. HSBC was when I started Source Luxury. Mm -hmm. So in 2007, I was two years into working at uh, HSBC insurance brokers. I was watching people buying houses uh, through agents that are buyers, not sellers. And I was like, they're sourcing houses for people. Mm. Why can't I source cars for people? Because I'm a petrolhead, I know everything about cars. Mm. Even my clients that I had there that I never mixed business with, I didn't do it with them. Yeah, I kept it professional, but I was learning and I knew then that I could help high net worth individuals buy expensive cars and get a good deal on it mm. and a great service along the way. So, you know, they don't want to have to go to the Rolls Royce dealer or Aston Martin dealer and have to do all these things. Sometimes they're happy just buying it from, you know, the comfort of their own home and having it delivered. Mm. All they've got to do is part with the money. And that's what happened. I was sitting behind my desk at HSBC doing deals on Rolls Royces. Mm. I was having cars delivered to my house that were worth more than my house. Yeah. You know, and I owned my house, so it was yeah. 260 grand Rolls Royces rolling up off the truck, ready for a customer. And my house is only worth 200 grand at the time. Yeah. So that's where that started. Yeah. So it's finding the gap in the market and always being aware of it and also reinvesting your money, your hard earned money quite young. You know, a lot of people think I oh, save, 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 mm. but you were reinvesting into your own business ventures early on. So I, I was sticking money straight into websites, having them built, having logos designed. You know, it, it, you've just got to put what you've got into a pot and make it work. So if you're trying to get the nugget off that, if you've got a passion and a drive for something, reinvest or, you know, with, with this money that you're working maybe at one job now to pay your bills, if you've got that little bit extra, maybe not save it, what, what would you do? What's the, what's the nugget of this sort of time of your life that you can move on with? Money isn't everything, money will come. So put whatever you've got and get the best out of that. Okay. Whatever your money can make at that time, do it. If it's just a one-page website and that's all you can afford, it's now 120 quid on Squarespace, then do that. Sometimes, you know, my websites were costing me thousands mm. because those those no-code websites were didn't exist back then. Mm. I was up for two, three, four thousand pounds just to make a website while I'm sitting there working. And I was a father then as well, so I had lots of responsibilities. Okay, that's that's an interesting point. It might it might come in. So I've got the next question: is Where did your drive and passion come from? But also, becoming a father young did that affect your drive and passion? Maybe make it more? Definitely. I was a dad at twenty one. I was out on my own. We we needed to make stuff work. Yeah. And I was the one making stuff work. So, you bills paid, 
rent paid at the time, you know, food yeah. coming in, house, you know, roof over your head. Child to pay for. Exactly. Yeah. You, you do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. Yes, there was probably some drive, an extra drive there, but I think I've just got it in me anyway. Yeah. So, so you had it in you, but it got kick-started by that probably, at 21. Yeah. Real push. Maybe a bit earlier. Yeah, because um, you know, I, was, I was in my first insurance job for one year before Matthew came along. Wow. So I had not been long working yeah. out there on a very basic salary. Yeah. But I bumped my salaries jumped big because I pushed my employers to yeah. give me pay rises so every six months. It gave you that real kick. I mean, there's a lot of 21 year olds now who are either at uni or sort of milling about because they haven't had that kick yet. Mm. And they sort of know that oh, in the next mm. five years I'll, I'll, I'll start. But I think that really pushed you early on. Yeah. And then you just didn't stop sort of yeah. driving. So yeah. It's maybe if you if you're not going to get the kick, you need to give yourself that drive and passion kick early on. Mm. As, a, as a tip for mm. young people, I'll tell you how to do that. Go on YouTube and put in positive mindset, and just consume the very very best content out there from these people that have already done it. Read books. Another one, you know, Shoe Dog by the guy, the founder of Nike. There's millions of books out there that you can read. That are that will give you that kick. Okay. Just learn from someone else who's been doing it for many, many years. You can read one book and get thirty years worth of someone's experience mm. in a book. Yeah. That can take you a day to read. Mm. So how powerful is that? That if you need a kick, go read, go watch, go consume something that is gonna really get the fire burning in you mm. early and and use that energy that you make into something that you love. I think that's a really good point. So it's focus on your mindset, and that positive mindset, that uh, growth mindset, and get that early on. Read, motor, mm. YouTube videos, because wealth is knowledge. Mm. You can lose money easily, but you, once you've got that knowledge in your head, it's pretty hard to lose. I'll tell you something, fear and love cannot work together. Mm -hmm. You either live with love and you live with a passion that you know that you can do something, yeah. Or, or just loving what you do, it will only work if you do that. If you live with fear, which is doubt and worry and all these negative thoughts, you'll never get to where you want to be. So you need to override the fear that you have inside with any love and passion that you've got. And if you've got that for what you want to do or even what you're doing at the same time, the fear will just fizzle out and drop away. So it's really key to make sure that your mind is working in your favor. The world does not happen to you. You know, it's not it's not pushing you down, suppressing you. The world is your oyster. You can get out there and do mm. anything you want at any time mm. if you've got the right mindset. Mm. That's a really good point. I think that quite nicely brings us on to your first company, where you must have had that sort of split of fear of going out on your own, but and also yeah. that love and passion for cars mm. that you knew you had and knew that's what you'd rather be doing. Yeah. So. What did you maybe learn from your first company? Was there an element of fear and doubt that you had to sort of there was. close the door on? Mm. Yeah, there was. But, um, you know, when, when you have confidence in your own ability mm. and your confidence in yourself and maybe who you're working with, other people are helping build your confidence, yeah. surrounding yourself with all the right people mm. is really key to, to getting that confidence up. So actually what happened was I was made redundant from HSBC insurance brokers because Marsh, the biggest broker in the world at the time, bought them. Okay. But I'd already, I was already selling cars. I was already off doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. I threw my hands up and I took redundancy. 
I'd been there five years, I got a nice paycheck at the end of it, and that was my little bump into the next self-employed world full-time. Yeah. So that happened in November 2010. And by then I'd met quite a few really good contacts in the world that I was operating in. And I was surrounding myself with people that are already really successful. And I was working with them. I was feeding off them as well. Like the energy that I was getting from working with these people was amazing. It was driving me and my business forward. So yes, there was fear coming out of a full-time role where mm -hmm. someone's paying your wages. But that's the last time someone paid my wages is 2010. Mm -hmm. Since then, I've never ever had a full-time job or anything like that. I'm my own boss. And I've been paying my wages since then and never once have I not been able to pay myself. Yeah. And that's key. You don't yeah. always pay yourself much. Yeah. Like I sometimes take less than what my staff earn. Mm. But I take what I need to keep the amount in the business going. Mm. That's a few years ago now. It's a different story now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So that, that fear almost, it, well, the lack of security almost gives you that drive to work harder because it's your, as you said, you're paying yeah. your own paycheck. So mm. you don't clock off at five o'clock mm. then when you know that it's going in your own back pocket. Mm. And as you said, if you, you don't want to not be able to pay yourself. So um, yeah, I think, it, I think it really does bring that drive and passion within when you're doing it for yourself. Um, and I've seen that before with other people that have gone out on their own. Yeah. Okay, so Source Luxury ran for how long before you set up Saxon? It was your second company, I believe, was it? Well, yeah, Saxon was the the first insurance broker that I started, well, the only one, and that started in 2017. Okay. So there does seem a bit of a gap, but what happened with me was I was running Source Luxury all of that time, and effectively I was, uh, I was working on behalf of other insurance brokers as a self-employed consultant. So I didn't really need my own insurance business at the time because I had all these amazing, excuse me, customers. And what I was doing was I was moving them around the right insurance broker that I felt at the time. And insurance broker is mad, the, the industry is huge with mergers and acquisitions. So I was, I was, I went through three mergers and acquisitions with the businesses that I was working with. I got bored of it. Mm. And so did my clients. You know, they're sitting there going, "What? Another change, Sam?" You know, they're not they're not saying it to me, but I know they're feeling it because I'm the one that's got to break the news to them all the time. Yeah. By the way, you know I've worked it over there, but now I'm going to go and work over there. Mm. And they're like, "Okay, fine, we'll come with you, no problem. We want to stay being looked after by you." But mm. you know, I could feel it that this this was this was it. I'd had enough of the the mergers and acquisitions. The time was perfect. I could have done it before, believe me, but the time was perfect. I reached out to the insurance companies that I was already working with. I sought their support. I asked them questions about how it would all work because I wasn't 100% sure. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was seeking knowledge from other people in order to get basically information from them to know that the next step I make is gonna be a good one. Okay, I'm getting off that evaluate the market and that the information is key so you were asking all the questions you needed to you sort of had that time while you're running source luxury to really evaluate what your customers or consumers mm. what they wanted and it wasn't to be messed around every few years mm. and then again saw the gap in the market for something to do on your own so it's not always a gap in the market you've said that a couple of times yeah. what i'll say is that if you do something well or even better than a competitor you'll win Okay. 
So you don't, there doesn't always have to be something out there completely new and niche that you've never ever done before, no one has done yeah. before, for you to get into a business. You just need to have confidence in yourself that what you're gonna provide, whether it's a service or a product, is better than everyone else's. So you, I've, I've heard this, but you either do something that no one's doing or you do something better than everyone else's. Yeah, and doing something better is because it's a proven industry already can be a bit of a slow burner because people already have relationships with their other businesses or something already mm -hmm. and pulling them away is difficult. Doing something new is just a massive risk. Mm -hmm. right, we'll get to it, but I know you're gonna talk about gold list. Big risk, but the reward is gonna be massive. Mm -hmm. So it's doing something new that can be risky, cost you a lot of money and it could fail. Mm -hmm. Okay, so coming on to the big risk, the third company, you were already running Source Luxury and Saxon, which is, as we said, when it's on your own, it's hard work, late hours. What made you want to then go, right, I'm gonna set up another company? Mm. What, what was that? Where, where did that come from? The, it was a quite a natural feeling because, I'll tell you where it came from. Source Luxury was one of these businesses that could have expanded into something that wasn't cars. And we had a great customer base who were buying cars. We knew a lot of people and the high networks were there. Maybe we could push into something and do like a little black book of services, service companies, mm -hmm. where we do it, we, we run a website or a network that our, our clients have access to every single person that we know. So opening up my black book and giving my clients access to people, other people in other industries. But it was not scalable. It was, just, it was a great idea, but it wasn't quite scalable. So, Source Luxury by then had already, you know, there, there was Brexit coming and all that jazz, and the car market was not as interesting to me as it was anymore. Saxon was my main focus. So the cars really sort of started to fizzle out a bit, although, you know, I do a bit still. Yeah. Um, and it was quite a natural time to take on another project because it was just a, 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 it was a morphed idea of that Source Luxury Black Book thing into something where you can just connect people up. Yeah. But it needed to become something more technology driven and something that was much wider so it could scale easily. And working with the retail sector, one of the biggest employers in the UK and a massive market that actually needs innovation of tech injecting into it now, mm. felt like a very good move. Okay, interesting. So you've got three companies on the go now and always other few things back burning. But how have you found and what have you learned about marketing yourself? Because you've got to put on a different sort of hat for each role. What have you learned and what's, what would be your tip for marketing yourself? I think you have to give a very clear message to any of the people that you're working with. Mm -hmm. So I, on my LinkedIn, for example, I'm just the managing director of Saxon Insurance Brokers because we do a lot of marketing for that business and that's my main business. Side hustles, I don't feel the need to list them out in my title, they're there on LinkedIn, they're there on the web, they're, and we've got teams for them. But now they're not becoming side hustles, they're, we're, you know, they're becoming full-blown full businesses. We're, we're doing more prominent marketing on them as the, as the team and the brand rather than me individually marketing something. Because my audience on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, 
that's that's been an audience that I've been working with for 10, 15, 20 years. You know, they, they know me for, for the industry that I'm in right now. I don't feel necessarily that I need to muddy the water and make it um, make it less clear on what my focus is. However, the focus is growing two businesses, yeah. and that's fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. No one will ever shoot you down for that. Mm. Um, like I said, Source Luxury is, is fizzling out, and you know it's a fantastic brand, and mm. we did some great car meets a few years ago that was super successful, even selling cars off the back of them, but mm. You know, it, it's not really scalable, and I've always wanted a scalable business. Saxon is very scalable. Goldis is even more scalable than Saxon. Okay, that's really good. I, I think off that as well, I'm, I'm thinking, is there any way you've learned to manage your time and to know when a, a side hustle is worth chasing and becoming a little bit more? You know, you, you were, as you said, you were running events for supercars and you were setting up Goldless and Saxon was running and you are investing a lot of your time into that. How, how did you know, like, what time was it all the time? You know, did you ever switch off and think, yeah, that's sort of where I'm going with that is time management. Yeah. Tip for that. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, number one, you have to, for side hustles and any side projects or other businesses that you're running, they're not really side hustles anymore, they're, they're secondary businesses. Mm. You have to just go with your gut. If it feels right, just do it. And with regards to time management, you just have to make it work. Segmenting your day out to not read one email with that business because you're reading something on that, it just doesn't work, you know, it's not practical. You, 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 you need to keep on top of things all the time. And I'm really good at keeping on top of things. I never have an inbox full of unread messages that I'll get to next week. You know, if they're admin, yeah, maybe that's something separate and the team will pick that up. But for, for my stuff, as soon as an email comes in, within five minutes I've read it. Mm. Yeah, I'm on top of everything all the time. So uh, that's just how I operate. And as a business owner, sometimes all you feel you do is, is monitor and read and write emails. But that's fine. If you're making progress, that's absolutely fine. As long as everyone else is doing their part in your business as well, there's nothing wrong with that. that where I'm at now is that's all the management stuff that happens talking to the accounts team, making sure this is paid or that's settled or, you know, it's loads, loads of things, all the marketing stuff. You've got to wear all the hats yeah. still, even when you're an owner and you've got staff. Okay. I think we're sort of drawing to a close. One final thing that I think I'm going to pick up on is people are going to sort of think, oh, yeah, I'd love to be in a position where I can have these three businesses. But time, how do you then allocate that time? Because you used to go in between here and Ibiza between the downtime your girlfriend, family, how do you have that time where you try and switch off? Because when you've got three businesses back burning, I'm sure it's really hard to go because you're always thinking about one or two other things. Is there, can you switch off? No. No. It's impossible. Impossible to switch off. You'll lie in bed and your mind just keeps going. I don't struggle to sleep, mm. but some of the best things that happen to me, as in creative, thoughtful things, happen at night. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, you, when you are not distracted by your phone or the TV or your computer or your email inbox, you're lying in bed and you just let your brain expand and think about what's happened that day, what ideas you've got on the back of something might have happened in the last week or what's coming. And that's when you allow yourself time to get creative. 
and it's super important nowadays with so many distractions like those computers, phones, you know, TVs, radios, to have time off. So I, I, I actually very rarely, if I'm in the car on my own, I'll rarely listen to anything because I can just think. I can just think about things and it's a really good opportunity to number one, focus on the road 100% mm. with no distraction. Number two, to just give yourself that space to think about all the things that are happening. Okay. And you'll be amazed how creative and how thoughtful and how the nuggets can come in those times. Yeah. The times of silence. Yeah. I don't have enough of that right now because there's a lot going on. You yeah. know, I'm in the office all the time and you know, I'm, I'm tapping away on the keyboard. We're all talking in the office as well. We're solving problems and creating stuff. But then, you know, you go home, the, the TV's on, you're chatting to your missus, you're making dinner, you know, you're doing all these things. It's still distracting. There's no downtime then for yourself. And then you go to bed. Yeah. Missus falls asleep, you're staying, you're thinking about things, you know. How many times do I pick up the phone? You've got messages from me at 10, 30, 12, yeah. you know, 11 at night things are happening up there, yeah. upstairs, you know? Yeah, so it's it's maybe not you're never gonna switch off, but allocate those downtimes where there is that drive, that commute, or that time before bed to get to let the brain just really think distraction yeah. free. Yeah. And I'd say, write it down. You've always said that even you even turn to your phone and write it down because no matter how much you think you'll remember your great idea, you've had mm. at 11.05, you often don't, so. My Apple iPhone notes have 2,800 notes in them. And people that I've met in the past laugh at that. Mm -hmm. I don't laugh at that. That is every single thing that I've ever thought of goes down on paper. Yeah. And those notes aren't empty. You sent me one to type up the letter. It was about four pages long on one of the pages. Yeah. I write articles on that. I write you know, blogs, business ideas, next phases of this, marketing ideas, everything. They're the things I'm thinking of that are just getting down onto paper or phone mm. because they'll never be forgotten. And that's something I learned from my father. He writes everything down. His schedule is, is to the minute. Mm. And I'm not as disciplined as that, but I write everything down and I'm teaching the team to do that as well. Because mm. if you write things down, it, it actually, not only do you not forget it, but it inspires you to think of something else. Because you've given your brain that space to not think about that thought anymore, to think about something else. Mm. There's okay. a stat, there's, the stat is mind-boggling. 70% of your thoughts today are the same as what they were yesterday. So know. your brain is actually only thinking about 30% something different tomorrow mm. than today. So if you can try and get those thoughts out, get them on paper, you, you increase your capacity to thinking and brainstorming about more stuff. Mm. Really interesting, it, it nicely wraps up because I've been writing down the key bits from school where it was, you know, sort of not conforming to the system as much, not getting the best grades, and then through college with side hustles, and then first insurance job turning to side hustles, and up through now with sort of three businesses on the go. Um, I'm going to read through what I've sort of picked up yeah. so that the listener can maybe get these themselves and hopefully they're writing them down. Um, so first one was persevere and stick through. You never always can be doing exactly what you love and what you want, so stick on it. 
um, why, why it's not, not easy. Uh, so tr try things, start young, you know, if even like you selling sweets at a young age and built up to clothes and other bits and bobs, try your hand in different little business things. If even if you're at school or college where actually you have far more time than you do when you're older to find out what you enjoy. Um, side hustle, so get, get the best out of what you've got. So it was reinvesting that money early on. Mm. You, you don't have a lot of money. You were, had a you know young child. You were, but you, the little bit you had, you were reinvesting. You weren't maybe putting it on flash goods early on. You were reinvesting to business. And then it was the drive and passion, um, which the tip was to have that positive mindset, really focus on the way your mind works. Mm -hmm. And that's reading. And you recommended Shoe Dog if people haven't read that before, mm -hmm. or YouTube videos to get your mind right mm -hmm. so that when you wake up each day you're in the right mm -hmm. mindset. Um, then it was uh, evaluate the market. So I picked up on the fact that you, you although you've dived into lots of things, you knew what you were doing before you went, went into mm -hmm. it. You've got as much information as mm -hmm. physically possible. Research. Asked, asked research, asked mm -hmm. as many questions as you could. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was marketing yourself as give your customer a clear message and so that they're aware of what's going on the whole time. That transparency mm -hmm. we talked about before is always important. And then a few other bits and bobs with was go with your gut. So if it feels right, mm -hmm. go with it and stay on top of things. Like don't let it spiral out of control. Always keep ticking mm -hmm. over, stay on top. And for downtime, that is not, you know, not relaxing watching TV. That's maybe the commute where you're in silence or that time before mm. bed where you just have that bit of, maybe it's a walk or something like that, yeah. just to clear your mind mm. and get those thoughts going. And then the last one was notes. So write it down. Mm. It's an idea, it might not be useful tomorrow, but in a month's time it might really spark with something else. Um, I think that's where we're joined to close on the first Master of Time podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's a good summary, Joe, well done. And uh, I'd, I'd summarize it by saying, you are your own limitation. Mm -hmm. So if you feel limited, you will be limited. Yeah. If you feel unstoppable, you will be unstoppable. And that's really valuable. I think that's given the, the audience or the viewer the quite a good insight to you. Yeah. And what maybe to expect from the rest of the podcast, you've sent gonna, over a few notes. Yeah, we're gonna delve deep into different phases of life and different projects and you know, unpack what's been going on and yeah it's going to be a really interesting talk hopefully we'll get some really good guests on in the future as well definitely in the meantime that's all from us on our first the master of time podcast see you soon cheers